Reed's Ranch is proud to partner with Marcos Garza and the Garza Law Firm. March Madness is here. If you find yourself out watching the game, drinking, don't drive. Take an Uber. Call a taxi. Call your friend. Call your parents. Call somebody. I don't know. Don't get behind the wheel. But if you do, and if you get pulled over, and you find yourself in trouble, there's only one name you need to keep in mind. Marcos Garza. Before you say guilty, say Garza. But he doesn't just do DUI defense. He also does personal injury and criminal defense. If you find yourself needing a lawyer, use the people who support us. Marcos has been with the podcast for well over a year now. He might as well be a uh, founding member of the Ranch Gang. Marcos Garza, GarzaLaw.com, 865-540-8300. Let's get to the show. I mean, this is the last stand. You're listening to The Unfiltered. Well, I hate to say I told you so. There's nothing to be done besides to get on Twitter and tweet to all my dumbass followers. (laughs) But I told you so. Hey, I told you so. The controversial. He's a dumbass. He can't do math. He's an idiot. He gets his hair cut at Walmart. Look at that shitty haircut. The realest podcast in the Southeast. Let the dogs loose. <laughs> Let the goons be goons. 11 in a row. 11 in a row. 11 in a row. Enough. <laughs> 38 in a row. As in 38 on this point when we were whipping that ass. Ranch gang, stand up. The holy war is upon us. Welcome to Reed's Ranch, the podcast with Seth Hughes. Like, just quit acting like this is any fun at all. Another edition of Reed's Ranch coming at you Sunday, March the 3rd. Live in studio. Seth, how are you, my friend? I'm live and in color, and it's good to look at you. Yeah, yeah, I'm glad you got to come up and uh, hang out with us. We got to see an ass kicking yesterday. Beat him down like a stepchild. Killed him. Wasn't even close. As a stepchild, I don't appreciate that uh, <laughs> reference. My stepmother, she never used to beat me physically, but emotionally, emotionally, I got I, I got beat up. Emotionally, felt like Kentucky did. Emotionally, yeah, yeah. I would leave. Head back to my mom's house, feeling a lot like probably Tyler Hero and <laughs> Kelton Johnson do today. Yeah. Did anybody for them play good yesterday? I mean, PJ had like what thirteen points. Yeah, but I mean, I, I don't think if you ask PJ Washington if he thinks that he played good, I don't, I don't know how he would say yes to that. Yeah, I mean, no, I agree, I agree. Like he played the best out of any of them, I would say. Right? If if I am uh, Montgomery, if I'm Montgomery who came off the bench and in 17 minutes scored uh, two points on one of one from the field. I feel like I played the best, maybe him and Quickly. Quickly went three for five because if you remove those guys, um, they went, what, four for six? So if you remove those guys, the rest of the team went 10 for 38. Well, Jamal Baker hit that three. Yeah, he went one for two. It's so like the bench, the bench just probably holding their head high today because they went five of eight from the field. As the team went fourteen of forty four for all, you know, overall. Yeah, quickly. I uh, never realized when he's on the floor because I get he looks like Hagen's to mm-hmm. me, but they've started playing them together some. I guess I didn't realize he hit he hit three baskets yesterday. Keldon Johnson was not good yesterday. He was bad. No, I mean he he hit the one tough runner after we almost got a steal. There was a really frustrating sequence when I, I believe we were up three, you know, trying to pull away. And I think they got an and one on that one, didn't they? No, I don't think they got an and one. Not, not on this one. Okay. 
it just it ended up in his hands on kind of the right baseline, and he hit a tough runner, and they got to kind of salvage. As, as we were really cutting, you know, cutting the water off on him, we he played awesome defensively. Yeah, I was gonna say I don't feel like they had hardly any open threes yesterday. The and very first one, like w- on that offensive rebound, was. yeah. But I mean, even then, you'll let because I believe it was was um, Hagen's that hit it. And, yeah, I mean, he can't shoot, so. I feel like they didn't have any hard. They hardly had any open threes. Like, if they're going to hit threes when they're guarded with a hand in their face, then whatever. You just have to give it to them. If man. they're going to do that on the road, then whatever. I didn't think they would. They didn't. Um, we had a lot more offensive rebounds, and we kept their offensive rebounds down a lot. I felt like they still grabbed nine. We only had eight. So they did have one more than us. But I think that it, we, the fact that we even played them close to that, yeah. Is obviously a win. Like they out rebounded Tennessee overall, which is maybe a little alarming considering how many how many shots they missed. But I guess we I guess we well let's see twenty seven yeah we actually missed more shots than they missed. We shot terribly. I thought. I mean, we shot a better percentage. We shot forty three and a half percent to their thirty one point eight percent, but they only shot the ball forty four times, whereas we shot at sixty two. So we missed, I think we actually ended up missing 35 shots compared to their 30, which maybe that makes sense why they were able to kind of out-rebound Tennessee and it didn't seem like a big deal. Now, they shot 15 more free throws than Tennessee did. <laughs> so like that plays into a little bit of like why we had so many more field goal attempts. But they also turned the ball over 17 times compared to our five. Yeah, and like I, we were talking about this this morning, just in... The, the, free, the free throw discre- discrepancy is... Is mind-boggling. Like in the two games, the free throw differential combined was sixty-two to thirty-two. Sixty-two to thirty-two. Forty-seven so. Tennessee fouls, the thirty-one Kentucky fouls. We didn't shoot a free throw in the second half yesterday. And if you add in the LSU game, the free throw discrepancy for Tennessee versus their opponents is ninety-three free throws for their opponents, forty-eight for Tennessee. That is negative forty-five. The free throws made the difference against the LSU. Against LSU. Man. So even with all that, like, yeah, Tennessee was able to control this game. When it was six to nothing, maybe people were a little worried, but Tennessee able to settle down. Bone hits a big three off of a Kyle Alexander offensive rebound, settles down. Jordan Bone kind of set the tempo from the beginning. He played great. I was still, and it always kind of happens to me on Saturdays when watching the games, especially at Hops, but I always get a little bit distracted. I noticed he had, you know, a couple of big buckets at the beginning. But even then I was shocked at the end of the game to see he had twenty seven. And went five of five from three. Yeah. Yeah, I, I yeah. I mean It was the smoothest twenty seven you could have. Yeah. He's incredible. He played incredible. He uh was so much better than Ashton Hagen's that it is it's crazy that he played Hagen's basically even in Lexington considering how much better he is. Mm-hmm. Than Hagens, he really he really had a great game. Everyone talks. I mean, all Kentucky fans keep talking about how good Hagens is defensively, and he got absolutely chewed up and spit out yesterday. Yeah, I mean, Bone. Who can Bone not get to the hole on? If he can get there on Hagens, then I think he can get there on anybody. Agree. And there was one. There was one part I believe when it was a seven to six game, maybe where Hagens is checking Bone at the top of the key, and Bone runs by him like he's standing still, and then hits a little off fl- the glass. Yeah, a little floater slash runner off the glass, like. He just took one little quick dribble to the, you know, one little crossover and then just boom, passed him. 
another great thing is Grant hitting three-pointers. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, Tennessee's shooting overall 36.4% from three, only hit eight threes. If you'd have told me that was the number they were going to hit before the game, I might have been a little worried. I've been like, hey, this team needs to hit a couple more threes in that. Obviously, with the defense holding to, you know Kentucky to 52, it didn't really matter. But I like that Grant has got back to trying to uh, shoot threes. It helps spread the defense out. He's had some good luck hitting those threes. Like Grant, obviously, I don't want to say locked it up, but I feel like Grant cemented player of the year status in the SEC yesterday when he goes for 24 and then P.J. Washington goes for 13-3 and three on, on six shots. Yeah, I don't really know how you can't give it to Grant Williams. That's because P.J. played like shit against uh, Arkansas earlier this week, too. It's a bad week for his you know yeah. player of the year candidacy. Um, And like with Lamonte and Jordan Bowden and Admiral kind of struggling from three, well, when Jordan Bowden goes 5-5 five five and Grant Williams hits two, well, then it's okay. Yeah, Admiral Lamonte Bowden, like you mentioned, uh, one of thirteen, and that's gonna get that's gonna fix itself. Hopefully, well, it will with Lamonte. I think it will with Admiral too. Who knows with Bowden? Bowden Bowden's shooting the ball better the last two games. Bowden's been Bowden's at least hitting some mid range jumpers yeah. right now, and he hit a three yesterday. Yep, one of three. Um, I thought Bowden looked good yesterday. Lamonte and Admiral did not. Just those threes wouldn't fall, and some of them looked good, too. It's not like they're missing all badly, really. Um, Admiral missed some shots badly against Ole Miss. Yeah. Like, he wasn't even close. Admiral and Lamonte go 5 of 23 from the field, 0 for 10 from 3. And, and that's beat Kentucky that bad. Yeah, I mean, that's it's it's glass half full, glass half empty. Like, hey, I feel like those guys got to play better if you're going to win on neutral site games, right? And Tennessee only has one big home game left, and every, every you know this this is it Tuesday against Mississippi State. You play Tuesday against Mississippi State in Knoxville, where Tennessee is unbeatable, and then after that everything is going to be either on the road or neutral site. I don't think you can win on the road or a neutral site when you have those guys go two for tw- or five for twenty three. Correct. Yeah. Zero for ten from three. Like you, you're able to do that in Knoxville. The good news is that like. A couple nights ago on the road, Lamonte took the game over. Sure. He's at least shown it recently, and and Admiral played good against LSU. So between the two of them, they've had good performances. And the other thing is, like, I feel like Admiral's going to do so much else to help you win. Like, I I think the shot's fine. Like you said, at LSU a week, eight days ago, he Mm -hmm. he was on fire. And, you know, he didn't shoot well against Ole Miss, but he does a lot of other things that really, you know, the two big charges. He's fine. I think we're fine. I think we've turned the corner. I think we had a little rough stretch where we lost one game because of the referees. I mean, honestly, I hate to say it, but we did. Mm-hmm. Just on free throw differential alone. Um, and if that game had been just officiated much better, Tennessee wins, and we're sitting here at what? We would be 15-1 and in the SEC? Yeah, 27-2 and overall, 15-1 and in the SEC. Jerry Palm already moved us back to the one to the one line. I know Lenardi had said he wasn't going to even if Tennessee beat Kentucky, but I feel like the way Tennessee beat Kentucky has to. Like, the reasoning for it, I was sitting there in my apartment Friday night and had it on, had on whatever college basketball game that was where he came on during halftime, and he they were like, he said, you know, no matter what happens Saturday, no, no team is going to fall off the one line. They're just too entrenched. And I don't even understand what that means. Like, Kentucky has five losses to Tennessee's three. They split. 
The only other team besides Tennessee that's beaten two separate one seeds is North Carolina. They've beaten Gonzaga and Duke. We've yeah. beaten Kentucky and Gonzaga. Um, I don't understand what more Tennessee has to do. Like I, I'm not saying they should be number one overall. I think Virginia should be. I don't even really have a problem with Duke being the two seed, the two number two overall. I think Duke gets a pass some, sure, because people are just like, well, they're just too good, which is subjective, you know. Um, I think Tennessee has to be the number three one seed. I don't know how. I don't even know how it's arguable. I don't know how. You, I don't know how you can justify keeping Kentucky over Tennessee. Yeah, I'd, I'd be shocked if he actually went through with that. I just I have this I have this bad feeling that no matter what we do the rest of the way, the only way we're going to be able to get a one seed is if we beat Kentucky on Saturday or Sunday. And it's like we're twenty five and three. If we go twenty seven and three, and then we're twenty nine and three playing on Sunday against Kentucky, and we lose to go twenty nine and four, like you're really not going to give us a one seed. I'm not particularly scared of Kentucky. I think they looked pretty pedestrian yesterday, and I know mm-hmm. we looked pretty pedestrian two weeks ago, and anything can happen. Um, I'm certainly not saying that we'll, we will lose to them or beat them in the SEC tournament. I just We just don't seem to get the pass that the other people are getting. Yeah, it's weird. I mean, yesterday was Tennessee's seventh Quadrant 1 win. That's only two behind Kentucky. Like, you know, a couple weeks ago, before Tennessee went on this stretch where they went to Ole Miss, before this week, Tennessee only had five compared to Kentucky's nine, compared to, you know, Michigan State's ten, Virginia and Duke had an eight, nine. Like, Tennessee was behind. They were lacking. Now, on one hand, Gonzaga only had four, which I didn't understand how, you know, Gonzaga was getting such a pass for only having four. See, we never, we never talk about two things. One, we never talk about like Duke losing and their losses punishing them. Mm-hmm. And we never talk, we never even talk about the idea, the mere idea that Gonzaga gets knocked down to the two. It's just assumed that no matter what, they're going to be the one in the West and we're not going to talk about it. It's never going to be mentioned. They just have to be the one seed in the West. To me, like if, if Tennessee and Kentucky go on, win out, if Tennessee gets the one seed and Kentucky, you know, gets a two or three and then they meet in the SEC championship. Like, I think the winner should get a one seed, and I think the loser should get a one seed. Like, I think both those teams have better resumes than Gonzaga. It's always Tennessee or Kentucky. Yeah, to me, it should be both. Like, if I'm seeding these, and like I said, the season, if, they, if it goes out that way, now granted, if Tennessee loses to Mississippi State or Tennessee loses to Auburn, I change my mind. Or if they, you know, get bounced early in the SEC tournament, whatever. But outside of that, like, I think it should be two ACC teams, Duke and Virginia, two SEC teams, Kentucky and Tennessee. Like, Gonzaga, I guess last night, one at St. Mary's, but even then, I don't think St. Mary's counted as a as a top fifty win. I don't think it counted as a uh, quadrant one win because they still only have four. So t- they have four to Tennessee seven, and Tennessee has a chance to add two more this week at Mississippi State at home and at Auburn. So Tennessee could finish with nine in the regular season, doubled up on what Gonzaga has. I've never understood why Gonzaga just gets penciled in. They just get a pass. It's it's very frustrating to me. The Duke win isn't worth that much, or it shouldn't be. It shouldn't be, no. Because that's it. I mean, that's it. They lost to North Carolina and Tennessee. Now, they're still the only team to beat Duke full strength, right? Mm-hmm. Which, I mean, I, I, I get that being maybe the best win of the season, sure, but... South Carolina didn't. It's I mean, one. Syracuse. Oh, Trey, yeah. Trey Jones was out. Trey jo- or Cam Reddish was out, and then Trey Jones got hurt, so they okay. were without two guys. Okay. So I think that's the only team that's actually beaten yeah, them full strength. 
And it's really like I think Gonzaga's really, really good. I just think that what you do matters too. And I mean, like you said, we've doubled, we've we have a chance to double them up in quadrant one wins. Yesterday was it's a weird game because I do feel like only I feel like two guys played awesome. Obviously, Grant and Bone. I think Bowden played good. When you combine, you know, he had nine points, whatever, but he also played good defense. Like, you have to give Bowden and Schofield and even Turner, you have to give them credit for what happened to Kentucky's offense, right? With Hero going two of 11 and Kellen Johnson going two of nine. Like, you held their two big guards to four of 20 from the field, one of 10 from three. Combined, those guys had eight turnovers. You killed them. But offensively, really, only two guys played great. One played solid. You still got nothing from Kyle offensively. Zero points, six rebounds, one block, one assist. Like, I mean, five fouls. He wasn't great. He wasn't even good. Um, Got nothing from him. Turner struggled offensively. Your bench, outside of Bowden, didn't give you much of anything. I mean, Walker came in and played big, which I guess I give him credit for. He he had a block, grabbed a couple rebounds, drew a foul. So, I mean, he wasn't not a non-factor. But offensively, you know, three of your four bench players didn't score. I like these. I do like the idea of playing Walker in like three-minute spurts to get a foul or two. Yeah. Either he uses his fouls up, he's just physical, he's the body that you have to deal with, or maybe he's big enough to draw a foul on Kentucky, which he did yesterday on an offensive rebound. Um, Fulkerson had a block, had a couple rebounds. Um I thought Fulkerson was, I mean, he is what he is. 16 minutes, one assist, two rebounds, one offensive, one de- defensive, a block, two fouls. Like, I mean, he he was, he gave you quality minutes, like, or he gave you good minutes. He gave you minutes. I don't, I don't he know gave if you I, minutes. Yeah, I don't know if I consider them good, but like. They're not negative. Yeah. No, that's, maybe that's the way to put it. He didn't hurt you. Didn't yeah. feel like anybody hurt you. Pons and Walker only played six minutes each. I don't remember any, any of those guys doing anything bad. Uh, Pons Did he got ma- that end one on him. Okay. Um, by PJ Washington on the baseline. Oh yeah, that's right. That's right. It was good defense until he just until he fouled. Yeah, like uh, there was no reason to foul. That was a tough shot. Yeah. Okay, I remember that now that you mention it. So I mean, maybe that was a negative play, but Tennessee, I don't think came and played like an A game by any means. No, not at all. Maybe not even all. not even a B plus game. Like they were a solid B, maybe. Defensively, they were very good. Defensively, they might have been an A plus. Okay, so you're right. Maybe maybe overall, you could just call that a B plus game. And you pounded Kentucky. And I know Kentucky fans are, are mad that Reed Travis didn't play, which they get. They've been arguing with me on the internet about it. And I just the, 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 they they're trying to be reasonable. And maybe I'm being a dick. They keep trying to be reasonable. Like I'm not saying we'd win, but he'd definitely make a difference. Like he'd it'd have been closer. It'd have been tougher. I was like, so you said you don't think you'd win, right? And you lost, so he wouldn't make a difference. And then they get so mad, and they're just like, no, damn it, it'd be closer. I'm like, but you'd still lose? I mean, he averages 11 points a game. And I'm sure maybe, you know, him as a big body would be different, and, you know, throwing someone else at Grant Williams would obviously make it a little tougher, right? He would make it. He would make a difference. He would make a difference. I still think we would win. Yeah. Easily. And... On the internet, you can't really, you know, give that ground to them, because fuck them. Like, you can't make them feel good about, no. oh, yeah, we beat you without one of your better players because fuck them. But, yeah, like, they would have pro- they would have provided different challenges with Reed Travis. Yeah, like, there are other big men 
that played. I mean, I don't I don't think much of EJ Montgomery or Nick Richards, to be honest. Yeah, Nick Richards is a five star who fooled somebody. I don't think either one of them are very good. Although he didn't play awful. I mean, he didn't do much from the field, but scored eight points, three blocks, seven rebounds. It wasn't like Richards was terrible. I mean, Travis Reed gives you what? Eleven points and six rebounds. So I mean, seven, yeah, basically. Richards basically gave you the same thing. Now, granted, when he has to start, that means he can't come off the bench, which you know messes with your depth. But starting lineup, I don't think was really affected. Travis Reed isn't going to make Tyler Hero, aka a walking bucket, not suck. He's not going to make Kelton Johnson show up. Like those guys got shut down. I mean, Ashton Higgins got was Ashton Higgins might as well is not even on the court. Since he was basically playing five on four. Yeah. He didn't do anything. Yeah, he's their version of Pons and Fulkerson, except that's not good when that's your point guard. Yeah, like, he didn't do anything. Harrow just, man, neither one of them could shoot. I feel like every shot they took missed. Um, we played great defense. A lot of people praising the crowd at TBA. It looked good on TV. It looked loud. A lot of people that were there saying it was, I saw somebody, I believe it was my friend Adam, say it was 2015 Oklahoma type of loud. Which I don't know if that is true. Maybe it was. I wasn't there, obviously. But I thought Tennessee did a good job home atmosphere-wise. They said there wasn't a lot of Kentucky fans there. I will say we've been hard on Rick Barnes. In his defense, he needs some props, a lot of props, major props, for never losing to Kentucky at home. Admiral Schofield is 4-0 against Kentucky at home. Um, That is really, really special to never lose to Kentucky at home and for a coach to go four years and never lose to Kentucky at home. And he has beaten Kentucky in Rupp. You know, I mean, Rick, there's been some really good Kentucky teams. Like, that team last year was really, really good. And um, I know they only got a four or five seed, but they were one of the most talented teams in the nation, and Tennessee mm-hmm. beat them in Rupp. Um Beat them at home. We beat this team at home, a top-five team. I mean, Rick Barnes deserves some big-time props for always beating Kentucky at home. That is a big deal for Tennessee basketball. Yeah. A yeah, huge deal any, for Tennessee basketball. Yeah, any win over Kentucky's big. So, the ability to, like, graduate a guy that started for you for four years and say, or played for you for four years and say, you know, you never lost to Kentucky at home. Right now, Admiral has a winning record over Kentucky, Right. Two and one, three and two, and then they split. So yeah, yeah. we are. I would say he's what five and four, five and four. That's pretty cool it's for Admiral. It's pretty solid. I'd say there aren't many players, obviously in recent memory, who can say that they are uh, have a winning record against Kentucky. Yeah, that's really really cool. Um, just the fact that you know, like, I mean, we don't know that we don't know it, but like, but we can say, you know, we're probably going to beat Kentucky at home. Mm-hmm. That's really really good. I mean, just. I was confident all week. I mean, I had it at 65% confidence level that we were going to win. The game just, it was really never in doubt, honestly. Like, I, once Bone hit that three to make it 6-3. to three, You felt good. You felt good. And then you pretty much just shut them down offensively for the rest of that half. I mean, they scored six points in the first minute and a half, and, you know, with a couple minutes left, it was 28-18. to 18. They went like nine and a half minutes without a field goal, right? Yeah, they finished the first half with 24 points. So, I mean... Not many, not many teams going to do that to Kentucky. So, basically, they played at a minute per point or a point per minute pace after the first minute. Not good. Basically. It's not good. No, it's good It's, it's good shit from Tennessee. That was a it's good performance. It's not good if you're Kentucky. No, it was a great performance from Kentucky. 
Not. I mean, that was the first time. I mean, when was the last time Kentucky looked like that? The Duke game? Where they just looked overwhelmed? Yeah, I mean, I think it would have to be. Because, I mean, even when they lost LSU, obviously they weren't overwhelmed. They just lost. And then the, the Alabama game, they just lost on the road yeah, or you know, whatever. I didn't, see, I didn't watch any of that game, so like, I, don't, I don't feel like Alabama obviously outmatched them or anything. I think they just beat them. But. And then the Seton Hall game, that buzzer shot by Seton Hall or whatever. I mean, this was the first time somebody had just manhandled Kentucky since the game, since the opening game of the season for them. Mm-hmm. And if Travis Reed is the reason why that happened, then you should give Travis Reed the SEC Player of the Year because he's the most important person there. Yeah, if he's able to mask all these deficiencies, and when he goes out, it yeah. just all goes to hell in a handbasket, then uh, he should be the number one overall pick in the NBA draft, too. Make him a big-time draft pick right behind Zion, and he is the SEC Player of the Year. Like, no more talking about P.J. Washington, Kentucky fans. P.J. Washington's a bitch. It's all Reed Travis, apparently. Yeah, and I'm not buying that. I'm not buying that narrative. Yeah, I'm not going to go out and say that Reed Travis is the most important player on Kentucky. Yeah, I'm not buying that narrative. He's good. He's solid. He's a good player. Like he averages eleven and seven on a good team. He would have made a difference yesterday. We still would have won. Seems like we are destined to play them again in the SEC tournament. Like I said that after we played in Lexington, like this feels like even one of four is what I called it. Like it feels like you're destined to play them in the SEC tournament and the NCAA tournament at some point. Man, I hope not in the NCAA tournament. I know. Two blowouts, each side getting one. It does seem like I, I think everybody assumes that Tennessee will play Kentucky again. Um, I think that Florida will beat LSU Wednesday night. Mm-hmm. Who knows now that they've lost to Georgia? Florida has to win that game though, because they finish at Kentucky. So Florida needs to win. Florida really needs to win Wednesday night. Yeah, when they, I mean, they they completely shit the bed. I don't against. understand like. That was Georgia's first SEC win since the first game of the season. They'd lost 15 straight games. And that was in Florida. It was at Florida. Georgia is terrible. There is just That's an amazing loss for a Florida team that was playing really good. And like you said, that can't afford losses because their last two games are home against LSU and is it at Kentucky? At Kentucky. And I don't know what Florida's record is right now. They were like a nine seed earlier this week in bracketology, so they're still fine. They're still okay after yesterday. Yeah, but if they go 0 for 2 but this week. if they week, go 0 for 2, then are they? I don't know. I'd say if they go 0 for 2, they'll have to win two games in the SEC tournament. Although the bubble is terrible, right? Yeah. I mean, you got teams like Indiana and Xavier on the bubble right now. So. The, all you need to know about this bubble is that Florida just lost at home to Georgia, and they only fall to a 10 seed. Right, didn't really get punished because there's not anybody just knocking down the door trying to get in this tournament. Yeah, nobody seems willing to say we're going to try to make the NCAA tournament. It's just all like everybody's just kind of floundering around. They're a weird team. It's just Mike White is weird, but I guess that's what happens when you have a team that just does nothing but shoot three throw, free, but shoot three pointers. Yeah. All right, let's get to some patron questions. Patreon.com slash Reed's Ranch. Again, one of the best things on the internet yesterday was the Reed's Ranch Discord uh, during the uh, live game. The live game thread's a lot of fun. If you want to become a member, Patreon.com slash Reed's Ranch. Curtis asks, and we're talking about it right now, so let's get to it. Uh, Is there any chance Florida beats LSU? Yes. I mean, Florida just won at LSU. 
Florida's going to be they're probably not going to be favored in that game, right? They'll probably be slight underdogs. Yeah, I would say so. Um, LSU, I mean, we we feel like Florida is better than Alabama, right? I is do. that safe to say? Like even for after sure. they even after they just shit the bed against Georgia, for sure, we still think that Florida is better than Alabama. Alabama probably should have beaten LSU yesterday. They they were up late and I don't want to say choked, but couldn't get it done. I would say they choked. It's disappointing because Alabama's been pretty good at home. Yeah, I mean they've been pretty good at home, and yesterday yesterday would have. I th- assume would have locked them in to the tournament. Let me see where Palm's got Alabama right now. Yeah, he has Florida as a ten seed. He has Alabama as an eleven seed in the South right now. So, like getting that LSU win at home yesterday would have locked Bama in, probably. You would think so, especially when you have Auburn coming. I think midweek coming to Alabama. Um, so that's a disappointing loss for Alabama. I really expected them to get it done. But Florida should beat LSU. There's no reason that they can't. Will they? I don't know. It just seems like LSU is going to catch all these breaks. So it wouldn't surprise me a bit if LSU did something dumb and got got out with the W, you know. I mean, going back to I still just – we're going to rue – that Missouri game for the rest of our lives, I feel like that LSU. That Conzo just completely shit the bed in. That Conzo just absolutely f- lost his brain for. Um, LSU's not that good. I mean, it's wild because yeah, I mean, I I almost forgotten that game. They're down what like thirteen points. They're down fourteen with, like, with under two minutes left. Yeah. It's wild to me that they are in position to win the SEC because they've just been, like you said, just getting lucky, just coming up with some big wins. And if they get through Florida, their last game is home against Vanderbilt, which Vanderbilt's got awful, right? 9-20, and 0-16 in the SEC. So if LSU is able to beat Florida, they're going to, you would assume, lock up at least a share of the, you know, the regular season SEC championship and the one seed. Guys, you know, if they finish tied, they're they're going to be ahead of Tennessee, which would mean I like Tennessee getting the the night draw. Like I'd rather have SEC tournament games at night, but it would mean that you are going to play Kentucky on Saturday in the semifinals on Saturday rather than in the championship. And which then, maybe that would help Tennessee. Although, like at that point, it'd be pretty Tennessee to beat Kentucky and then be gassed and turn around and lose the uh, the the you know the championship game on Sunday. That's the I mean that's that's the real issue, right? Like you wanted you wanted. To not have to deal with both of them. Let one of them take out the other, and you have to beat, like, Florida, South Carolina on Saturday. And it's just – it's real, it really sucks bad that we're going to go 16-2 and two and not win the SEC outright if, if LSU wins Wednesday. I mean, we're going to go 16-2 and two in the conference and not win outright. And it's not that because we tied with Kentucky, who we have a better conference record than. It's because of LSU. And this year it'll be kind of ironic because it'll be the same. Like it'll be because we didn't get a chance to play LSU at home. Yeah. Whereas last year, if I'm an Auburn fan, I'm screaming like, "Hey, we're the real champions! We went to Tennessee and beat them. They didn't even get a chance to come to Auburn, where we could have beaten them twice and and won the conference. We got lucky in that regard last year to split. This year it'll be unlucky in the sense of we had to go to LSU at noon." Got a bad whistle. We didn't even get a chance to play them in Knoxville. Yeah. You know, we had to go to LSU, play Kentucky twice. 
I mean, yeah, it sucks. It is what it is. Go Gators. We need Kevon Allen to just come out there on senior night, Wednesday night, and just hit more threes than he's ever hit in his life. It can happen. I mean, it can happen. Like, they were playing really well, and they looked a lot better than LSU in that first go-round. Um, we'll see. Yeah, the first time they played, Florida was unreal from the rim, like around the rim, which is something that they usually aren't great at. They usually just bomb threes, but they, I think, were 13 of 15 in the paint around the rim against LSU. That's probably, if they're going to beat them again, they're going to take advantage of LSU's bad rim defense. Which is weird that LSU has bad rim defense. I know. You would think Nas Reed would be out there blocking all kinds of shots. Yeah. Yeah, that doesn't make much sense to me. I don't know. There's no telling. Like, I know that early line said LSU's favored by two and a half. That probably seems right. Florida can do it. I wouldn't – I'm not getting my hopes up. I'm just expecting to be the two seed at this point. You, It is what it is. It sucks. But we'll just have to go win the SEC tournament. Brandon Ashby asks, do you think there's a chance Bone might not be coming back next year? I have no idea. I don't. I don't know anything about the NBA. I just know Bone has yet to show up on any mock drafts. Yeah, there's. I keep thinking like people keep talking about Bone's NBA chances. Like he's such a solid player. Like Bone will make money professionally somewhere. I don't know if it'll be in the NBA. It might be. The point guard position's really deep. That's like the worst position to try to be an NBA player at right now. Is just because there's so much talent across the board. Him already being 21, he's already kind of behind the eight ball a little bit. If I was betting right now or placing odds, I would say there's still a 75% chance or 80% chance that Bone is in school next year as a senior. I'd be really surprised if he left early. Which takes me to Will Tucker's uh, next question. It's a two-part. He said, "Did Grant lock up SEC Player of the Year yesterday?" I think he, I think he's in the clear lead right now, unless he, unless he uh, falters down the stretch. I think it would take a pretty monumental collapse. And PJ going thirty and thirty the next two days. I mean, I just, I just don't, I just, I don't know how you can justify Grant Williams not getting it at this point. He's the leading scorer in the SEC, right? Yep. I mean, he right. does it. Like his stat line, we haven't even talked about this. His stat line against Ole Miss was was really crazy. Um, I'm looking it up right now to see, like, because he had, I mean, yesterday he had a great game. We all know that. But against Ole Miss Wednesday night, Grant Williams had 21 points, six rebounds, four assists. He had three steals and two blocks. Yeah, it'd be tough to, uh, it'd be tough to fill that up. 21, six, four, three, and two. It'd be tough to fill a stat lineup more than he did. Which the second part of the question was, is there a chance Tennessee has three first-team All-SEC selections? I don't think so. I don't think Admiral's going to get it. Yeah, I was going to say, at this point, I think Bone is going to be on there. Like, if your question's about Bone, I would think that Bone and Grant could be your first team. Is it is it eight players that make yeah. it? So, Bone and Grant have to be first-team All-SEC. Yeah. Who I mean, who would make it over Bone? Like Tremont Waters? Him or Tyree from Ole Miss. I mean, Tyree from Ole Miss is averaging 18 points a game. I had no idea. Yeah. I thought Terrence Davis was their best player. No, that Tyree guy averages 18 points a game. He um, only averages 
three assists and three rebounds, so he's not like he's doing other things. He's just scoring 18 points a game. He might get on there. I mean, Grant, so you got Grant and P.J. for sure. I would say Tremont Waters for sure. Yeah, um, Weatherspoon from Quindary, yeah, yeah from, from Mississippi State. He has to be on it. He had a, he had a really good game yesterday. He averages 18.5 points per game. Um, After that, though, like why is Jordan why is Jordan Bone not on it? Yeah, no, is it going to come down to Bone versus Hero? I, I don't know. Like I don't know what his overall stats are. I, I would kind of be surprised if Admiral makes it at this point. Yeah, I don't think Admiral is. I think I, I don't think Admiral will. Um, but I think Bone should. I Let's, think you have to have two people off Tennessee. I would think. Yeah, but what do I know? I mean, if you're just looking at the top scores in the SEC, it goes like this: Grant, Weatherspoon, Tyree, Gafford, Admiral. Gafford will make first team all SEC. Bryce Brown, Terrence Davis from Ole Miss, and uh, Tremont Waters. Those, those are your top eight. How many rebounds does Gafford average? Uh, let me check. Let's see. Gafford is he's leading the conference at eight point seven a game. So, so Gafford Gafford will be in. He's first team. I forgot about him. Yeah, he's really good. Gafford's been a stud. So man, if we had Gafford. To answer the question, though, I don't think Tennessee is going to get three guys in. Correct. Although Bone could be one of the two. Let's see. Uh, we got Tucker Carlson listening live in the Discord. Just says he was surprised at the lack of blue in Thompson Bowling yesterday. Says it was an awesome atmosphere. So everyone kept saying that, saying that was there. That's great to see because there have been times when I've been in TBA for a UT Kentucky game when UT's been really good and there's been a lot of blue. D Kenyon twenty eight just says Liverpool is about to beat the hell out of Everton. Yeah, let's that's, go. That's great. You'll never walk alone. That's great. All right, let's go to uh, Conspiracy Corner before we wrap this thing up. <laughs> what are you giggling about? Well, if, I, I'm assuming I know what you're going to ask me about. Well, we uh, I briefly talked about it with you at the house, which, by the way, you've been a terrific house guest. Thank you. This is where you're supposed to give Kendall and me a shout-out for being a, Kendall's a great homemaker. Host. She's been a tremendous host. John, I've had a lot of fun laying on the couch with you and Frank. It's true. I had fun. I had fun last night laying with you, and you were rubbing my hair, telling me how good my hair looked. Oh, you don't have to tell people that. Oh, before we get a conspiracy corner, before we wrap up our patron department, we do have to do our uh, our, our new, new patron patrons. shout outs. We have, we've we've got a we've got ten new patrons. We got a shout out. What ten? Yeah, ten. Ten that have either signed up. I think uh, eight new sign ups. Two people who up their pledge. All right. Mowing through them. Will Tucker. Love you, Will. Thank you. Will Woods. Thank you, Will. Love you. Popular with Wills this week. Matthew McGill. Thank you, Matthew. Love you. Morgan. Thank you, Morgan. Love you. Max Young. Thank you, Max. Love you. Thaddeus Lamar Parker. Thank you, Thaddeus. Love you. Say his whole name. Thank you, Thaddeus Lamar Parker. Love you. Taylor Watson. Thank you, Taylor. Love you. Wendell Hickman went from two sixty nine to ten dollars. Shout out to Wendell. Love you. William. William. I thought you said Wendell. Did I say Wendell? I don't know. Shout out to Wendell. If William. I- love you. If I did say Wendell, it's because Kendall signed up to be a patron. Shout out to Kendall. Kendall, you know I love you. You know that I think you're smart and that I don't hate you like I do other women. Jeremy Lee giving up his from 5 to 10. Shout out to Jeremy. Shout out to Jeremy. Love you. So let's take a trip to Conspiracy Corner. <laughs> when I asked you earlier today if you were familiar with LifeLog, you said no. But then I told you what LifeLog was. LifeLog was 
basically a program in the Defense Department. DARPA. What's DARPA stand for? Do you know what DARPA stands for? I can't remember off the top of my head. Okay. Research, project, agency, something. Defense. I can't remember. Well, LifeLog was uh, run by DARPA, the Defense Department's research arm. And it was aiming it was aiming to gather in a single place just about everything an individual says, sees, or does. The phone calls made, the TV shows watched, the magazines read, the plane tickets bought, the emails sent and received. Out of this seemingly endless ocean of information, computer scientists would plot distinct routes in the data, mapping relationships, memories, events, and experiences. LifeLog's backers said the all-encompassing diary could have turned into a near-perfect digital memory, giving its users computerized assistance with an almost flawless recall of what they had done in the past. But civil libertarians immediately pounced on the project when it debuted last spring, or or this is from back in the day, arguing that LifeLog could become the ultimate tool for profiling potential enemies of the state. Researchers close close to the project say they're not sure why it was dropped late last month. DARPA hasn't provided an explanation for LifeLog's quiet, quiet cancellation. Quote, a change in priorities is the only rationale agency spokeswoman Jan Walker gave to Wired News. So basically, LifeLog, it sounds to you like what? Big Brother. Basically a way to just kind of track what everyone's doing. A diary. A diary of their life. The government wanted to put this in place. This was back in 2000, I want to say early 2003, late 2002, early 2003 is when it kind of really started gaming steam. Obviously, you know what happened in 2011. Facebook. I mean, not 2011, excuse me, 2001. Facebook. No, no, 2001 was the... Oh, September 11th. Yeah. Yeah. The Yankees won the World Series and September 11th. So they wanted this place to kind of go together and, you know, that national security was at an all-time high, or at least the need for national security thought to be at an all-time high. And then all of a sudden, they said, nope, changing priorities, we are moving away from LifeLog. However, when LifeLog was killed, which according to Wired and the Internet was February 4th, 2004, the same day Facebook was founded. Facebook, which lets people track who they're dating, what they're eating, where they're going, what they're doing, what they're watching, where they've been, their pictures, everything. It lets you, the individual, upload all of this yourself. Everything that the government wanted to do with LifeLog was basically right at the fingertips of the users, and the users did all this work for them. So the conspiracy, I believe, here is that Facebook is part of the government organization facebook is government funded government funded and doing everything we need everything that the government wanted lifelog to be yeah change the name lifelog seems a little intrusive right like you know what you're doing there mm-hmm. you're you're logging your life logging your life yeah whereas facebook much more open comforting cozy yeah what is facebook supposed to actually represent why do they name it facebook i don't know it's a book of faces i mean is that what's supposed to be maybe are you buy, are you buying this, Seth? On a scale of one to ten, how likely is this conspiracy in your opinion? Five to six. Or about on a scale of one to thirty. Fifteen to sixteen. <laughs> <laughs> I 
I will say that like it obviously makes more sense that instead of trying to gather everyone's data, they were just going to say, hey, we're going to let everyone upload their data themselves. And we all obliged. And we all obliged. Happily. Yeah. Like, with zero reticence, we uploaded our entire lives to Facebook.com, and it seems like if that was the... I mean, it seems like a much better idea than LifeLog. I told you what I... Have you ever told you about the story when I had to go meet the owner of the Cotton Eye Joe? Mm-mm. Name is Genji. He sold it recently. Genji is a big scary man, I believe, from Jordan. Long story short, my friend got caught drinking in there. Genji is friends with my dad's mutual friend. My dad and Genji have gone to funerals together. They've traveled, you know, around the South together doing things. My dad told my friend that. So when my friend was getting arrested for or getting ready to get kicked out and in trouble for Basically, fake ID drinking underage. The guy started screaming out, "Hey, Genji, I know, I know David Reed. I know David Reed." Big mistake. Genji called my dad. Basically, long story short, again, I had to go meet Genji out in the middle of their mutual friend's field. Genji, big guy, scary guy, thick, Jordan accent, Jordanian, Jordanian, Jordanian accent. And in his rant to me, at one point, he just stopped me and asked, "Are you on Facebook?" Which I thought was really strange. He's like. Telling me, you know, he telling me about the time he had his dad trained him to go shoot a machine gun so that he could kill his cousins. I was like, whoa. <laughs> Tell me about the time that his his brother got strung out on drugs and alcohol. He's like, we don't do that in my culture. I went to my brother's house. I knocked on the door. I asked his wife, is he home? Tell him to come outside because I'm going to kill him. I was going to kill my brother. That's what he was telling me. Really intimidated. Then all of a sudden he just goes, So, are you on Facebook? And I thought he was going to say, you know, give us a like, friend request us, help us grow our digital brand. I said, yeah, I'm on Facebook. He said, you got to get rid of that shit, man. (laughs) This is how the government keeps an eye on you. China spies on you. The U.S. government keeps an eye on your business through Facebook. This was 2010. Genji knew. He warned me about it back in 2010. It's too late now. It's too late now. It's too late now. 2019. We got they got they got a whole another decade of data yeah, off of me. It's too late now for any of us. I mean, like the government works hand in hand with Facebook. Like that's known. And with, I mean, Facebook does all sorts of stuff with the, with other foreign governments. Like we all know it stuff. now. We all know it now. But we know that it's happened recently. But is it possible that's been happening since the invention of Facebook? I don't know. That would be. It does seem tough to believe. But Seems like, tough to believe. Yeah, that like the whole thing's been orchestrated. Nice little cozy backstory of, well, was it Harvard? And then I stole it from the Winklevoss twins. Yeah, the Winklevoss twins. I forgot all about them. Stole it from them. They, they they were in the Olympics. They were rowers, right? Yeah, they they were Olympic rowers. I think they, uh, I think they got really uh, busted by the uh, Bitcoin collapse. They did. They yeah. did. Yeah, they did. They're like, God damn it, not again. <laughs> Not again. Oh, yeah. They did. They ended up getting some money from Zuckerberg, right? Some, but I don't and think... And then they lost obviously. it all with the yeah. Bitcoin. Yeah. They obviously didn't get the uh, mountain of money. Yeah, they didn't become, like, the world's most powerful man. Um, or one of the world's most powerful men. Instead, they tried to hitch their wagon on to cryptocurrency. And I'm sh- I'm shocked that ended badly for people. What is Bitcoin's current price at? I do not know. Did you ever trade any of no. Bitcoin? No. Never at all? You never thought about it? I thought about it, but I don't. I don't know near enough to put my hard-earned money into Bitcoin. Man. 
you know where it peaked, right? Like it's up around twenty grand or whatever. For a while, it's been hanging around sixty-eight hundred. Right now, I just checked the price. It's all the way down to thirty-seven. <laughs> Man, I mean, just think about like, there's a lot of people I'm sure who bought it at like fifteen k. Yeah, and it got up to twenty k or whatever. And they probably held on. They held. They held on, and now it's down to thirty-eight hundred. Now I will say, there's people who got in early and cashed out. Like there are people who made a lot of money. I know. One of my friends said that he made 10, 15 grand off of it. He bought in early and then sold when it got up to 20, but then he bought back in. I don't know how much he bought back in. And obviously, if you bought back in any time recently, you've got you've taken a beating right now. Yeah. Wow, I didn't realize it was down that low. I don't understand why it crashed like that. I think they were just talking about how they're going to start trying to regulate it. I think is basically what was enough to scare it off. Yeah, I mean it's going to be regulated. Like- yeah. I think I think once that came up and started talking that's what really scared bitcoin down um like i know i had a chance to get in on it way back in the day when i was uh on a gambling website they offered to pay me out through bitcoin it's gonna be like five thousand dollars like hey we'll just give you bitcoin i was kind of like no i'd rather just have a check i'd like to have that five thousand dollars to pay stuff but it was like under a dollar whenever they offered me that does that keep you up at night? No, because I didn't understand it either. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, yeah, it's it's yeah. This was even back. This was like 2014 or 2000. Like it was like right when it first launched. So obviously, I could have been rich, really, really rich, like really rich. I mean, five thousand dollars, you know, a dollar, and it got up to twenty thousand dollars. That's is that in the million? Maybe it's <laughs> a lot of money. It's got to be close to a million, right? That's a lot of money. But I would—I just didn't understand it. I was yeah. like, "So wait a second, you're just gonna give me coins that I don't can't really use on the internet?" And honestly, if I'd been thinking about it, I probably should have taken at least a couple grand in it because they're like, "Yeah, you can deposit and get paid out here." Because it was always a bitch to go deposit. I don't know if you ever gambled off illegally offshore, but you'd have to go send money grams, and then they would give you a hassle. So like, if I'd have been thinking, I'd be like, "Yeah, I might as well keep a couple grand in there in case I need to reload or something," which I probably would have blown it or whatever, but. If I didn't, I just held on to it. I could have been a millionaire. That would have been cool. That would have been cool. been really cool if all of a sudden <laughs> I was just a millionaire. It would have been really cool to have gotten rich off Bitcoin on accident. I don't know if I'd have cashed out at twenty grand though. I mean, I'm sure I would have taken some out, obviously. But you would have kept – that's the thing. Is like uh, People are just going to keep waiting. Is it going to grow back? Is it going to keep going to the moon is what they used to keep saying? Well, now if you bought it at like 15K, you have to keep – you have to just eat that money. From oh, that. yeah. There's no cashing out. You can't You can't take what – basically just – assuming you just bought 15 grand in at 15K, you couldn't just cash out three grand, right? Like that. You got to hold it on to you it. Might as well, I'd rather just lose the last $3,000 than just admit defeat. I would too. Because I don't think you could live with yourself if you cashed it out and then it went back up, right? Because it could go back up, I would think. I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. When I Google Bitcoin price, the first thing that came up on CCN, which I don't know what's, what's CCN. I don't know. The first headline is Bitcoin price Bitcoin price plunge to 1000 is possible, Woo! say traders. So like, I don't think it has to go back up. I think that's where these people have gotten in trouble, Seth, is thinking, yeah, it's eventually got to go back up, right? That, that's, why, that's why I don't do stuff like this. And then it doesn't go back up. You're like, oh, it's got to eventually. You're like the person. Have you ever, have you ever been to a casino? No. Well, like on the roulette wheel, they put a screen up. Of telling you the number and the color that happens, you're the guy who's standing there after six reds, and you're like, "No, no, it's got to be black this time. <laughs> it's got to be black. It doesn't then, have to be. It doesn't have to be. Yeah. And then it comes red again. You're like, "God damn it, no." Yeah. Well, that's why I don't do stuff like this. That's why I don't do stuff like this. Like I work too hard for my money to buy something that I think 
It'll have to go back up. Maybe one month we'll take all the Patreon money and invest <laughs> it into Bitcoin, and we'll split it with the patrons. Buy some cryptocurrency. I thought about that at one point. That I'm glad we did. I'm glad we did. Not have been so embarrassed if I took all the Patreon money and tried like, to get our tried to get the, our, our patrons rich, and then we just we all went broke off of Bitcoin. Yeah, like a, it's like we started our own little hedge fund. The the Bitcoin um, off a podcast. The Bitcoin Reddit thread around the time that started going down was <laughs> oh, it was amazing. It was fun to watch, read and watch. Like it they, was a, it was a train wreck. There like, were people losing everything they had, taking mortgages down their home to yeah, invest in Bitcoin. It was amazing. That whole thing was incredible. Like, I got up to $20,000. And they felt so smart. And hopefully they cashed out. Hopefully you made some money out of it. I know Kendall got gifted some uh, cryptocurrency for Christmas. Not this year, but last year. Like 2017. Got like ten grand or something or something like that into like cryptocurrencies. And then she invested some of her own money in it. And then it went down immediately. She's kind of like, uh, like, like you suggested. She's just... Got all this worthless coin sitting in. She's like, I'm not selling it. I'm not cashing out now because it might go back up. Shout out to the Winklevoss twins. Shout out to Facebook. Shout out to LifeLock. <laughs> that was a successful trip to Conspiracy Corner. Seth Hughes, thank you for coming up and hanging out this weekend. Yeah, it was a blessed weekend. You're welcome for the White Claws I bought you yesterday at Hops and Hollers. You didn't even say thank you. It was a blessed weekend. I said thank you last night. You're welcome for the pork tacos, <laughs> the pancakes. The LaCroix. The little crooks that I got you. It was a blessed weekend with you. Talk to you soon. Um, hopefully we go 2-0 this week. Hopefully we go 2-0 this week. Are you going to go to the SEC tournament? If we're on the other side of the bracket as Kentucky, yes. If we're on the same side as same side of the bracket as Kentucky, no. So you wouldn't you wouldn't go there Saturday for no, a... No, they priced everybody out. Okay. Like, it was so much easier. We had zero trouble getting tickets last year. I mean, I... We're having serious trouble getting tickets. Okay, so what about this though? What if we play them in the semifinals and beat them? Then we will be. Then I will be there on Sunday. Then tickets because should they'll be, they'll ditch their tickets. Yeah, tickets should be cheap at that point, right? Yeah, then I'll be there. Or do Kentucky fans just rip them up and not give them to anybody, not sell them? They're pretty good about selling them. Okay, they're pretty good about selling them. Um, if that is the case, if we beat them on Saturday, if we were to play them on Saturday, and we beat them, then yes, I will be there on Sunday. Undoubtedly, wouldn't miss it. Um. I will probably be there for Friday, Saturday, Sunday if we're on the other side of the bracket as them. Cool. So I'm trying to decide if I'm going to go over there or not. They just they price everyone out of tickets. Yeah. I mean, we even were calling like all the SEC West schools. We were calling all their ticket offs, asking if they had any left. And they didn't. No. So, oh wow. Okay. It sucks, but yeah, that's why. Like as much as it, it's cool, everybody's like, it's it's really cool. It's going to be in Nashville. Not really. Because it's not if you actually Kentucky. want to go, I guess. Yeah, yeah. you so. have to outbid the. Like St. Louis was good because we could go. Yeah. Um. But yeah. All right. Well, that'll wrap up this episode. Appreciate everybody. Uh, we'll talk soon.